give it up one more time for Susie Neds. Maya, you rule. That's the song I told her to play because it makes me so happy. I literally listen to that song if I'm having a bad day and it works every time. I'm not even kidding. That and Who Let the Dogs Out. I'm not even kidding. But, um, hey, can I just pray? I just want to set my heart and set everybody in. Yeah. God, thank you so much for bringing us all here tonight and just giving me an opportunity um, to share how you love and how you've loved me, God. I just thank you so much for every soul in this room and how you just intricately made all of our lives and have placed us here with such meaning. And God, I just thank you so much for the constant reminder that you are to me and how you show up in our lives every day. Amen. Cool. So... It's a, obviously this is going to be heavy because it's highs and lows and we're not just talking about all of the cool things that I'm doing in life right now, but obviously everybody has their story. And when Taylor asked me to talk, you know, I was like, where do I even start? Like where, you know, and I had to like think back because I've, I've told quite a few people in this room, I would say would like know a good portion or portions of, of like kind of my walk of faith or whatever. But I was raised in church, grew up doing everything. I know all the Bible songs. I have like the old Hillsong Kids album still because it's like this form of nostalgia. And if you guys are like, what the heck is that? Jesus, you're my superhero. Jesus. <laughs> that's like, that's like kind of old school. And there's like even older school, but that's like enough that I could get the room to, to know what I'm talking about. But so yeah, I grew up in the faith. You know, and I had parents, like my mom read the Bible every morning, 4 a.m. She's downstairs with her Bible, literally 4 a.m. Asked my brother, crazy. I don't even know. Like, I don't even know how I get up at 4 a.m. at any time, at any point in the country. But she does it, and she reads her Bible. So, um, sometime through just life, um, I had a really dark season, and it became kind of... Um, Sorry, I like, I literally, like, I'm trying so hard not to get emotional, but it became where it was, like, my whole life, it was just, like, numb. Like, everybody, like, I was just kind of, like, outside, and I was just watching everybody live, and I was just kind of uh, there. And it was really hard uh, to, to talk about it because I was really good at being on. I was really good at being, you know, I showed up to, I, I was a... Uh, the class secretary of my school. It, it was really sophomore year that kind of all this stuff came to fruition. And, and it was like I no longer had any rhyme or reason to, um, to try to, like, I, I couldn't keep like hiding what was going on. And so I just removed myself from like everything. And, you know, it kind of had the, um, like people were like, oh, you know, like, some teachers be like, oh, she's really lazy, or, you know, she's not motivated, or, you know, like, why isn't she not going to school, or whatever, and, and you know, some people didn't notice, because they would see me, and they'd see me on, and, and uh, it was really hard to be validated in that, but anyway, I ended up finding a few people who uh, saw me as where I was at, like, they saw me in my, my place, I, I actually had gone to a doctor, I actually had a doctor tell me that I had depression, and um, it was really hard because 
I felt like, like my personality type, I innately do run away from all things negative. And so when it would come up, when anything of that nature came up in conversation, I would go, yeah, no, I'm doing great. Like, you know, like, yeah, no, like everything's fine. Like, yeah, no, like, yeah, like, yeah, yesterday was really bad, but like, you know, today is like really good. Like we got all this looking forward to, you know, and I'd, I would skip all of the high energy things. And even like if class was like, really, really bad, like if I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to be on for math class, I would skip school in school. So I would go to the library and I'd sit in the library and just do nothing. Like it wasn't like I was skipping school to like have a good time and go out to the parking lot and like smoke or, you know, like go and like make out with some dude. I was just like, I can't, I can't do anything. So I'm just going to like, like, I'm just being real. Like I wasn't like, you know, I, I couldn't like tell my parents, yeah, I'm skipping school and going to see the newest Saw movie or whatever, you know, like, whatever was cool, I don't know, like, I, <laughs> that's, like, the first thing that came to my mind, but, like, I wasn't doing anything, like, it was a legit, I just can't show up, and so I had this one counselor specifically who, uh, I remember, I'll, I'll just try to condense it so I can get to the part where Jesus comes in, because he does, but um, I, my, obviously, my grades had plummeted, I had skipped a fourth of school, before first semester, literally, <laughs> I actually saved my report card because people were probably like, that's not true. And it's true. Actually, I know exactly where that report card is hidden in my parents' house. True story. They don't know, but I do. But um, anyway, and uh, so Tahoma had this initiative where if you were failing enough classes and you basically weren't showing up and, and having a teacher write off that you were trying to, to make up for the class, which I wasn't. I wasn't doing hardly anything. I could, like, not even make, like, a microwave taquito back then. Like, I was like, like, I'm just being honest. Like, I know I'm making light of it, but, like, that's, that is truly where I was at. Like, couldn't, like, brush my teeth. Like, like literally, like, shell. Like, shell of a person. Couldn't tell you. I, I've tried to figure out, like, what got me there. And it was probably a magnitude of things. But, um, anyway, I... Go into, they had this initiative called Project Pass, and I had all of these um, Fs and other um, bad grades or whatever. And basically, if you didn't get this permission slip, which this is long gone, Tahoma, you guys are probably like, we've never heard of that. It's because it failed miserably. But they would give you detention for your bad grades. And so, um, yeah, you guys are probably all like, oh, I would have that. <laughs> you guys would be like, I'd be there right now. But, um, Anyway, let's call it out, right? But um, so they had it in the library this one day, and I went, and the two counselors are like, oh, hey, Susie, because they knew me, you know, and I, would, I was connected with many teachers and staff, and I was like, hey, and they're like, oh, like, uh, actually, this part of the library, like, is closed off right now. It's for Project Pass, and if, if you saw, like, the demographic of students, like, I very much didn't necessarily blend with them in, in any sense. No offense to them. It was just not what, what I came off as. And then I was like, no, I'm here for Project Pass. And then they're like, they like couldn't believe it. And then I remember I like broke down right there and I had told them, I was like, I know I'm not supposed to be here. And, um, sorry, I know I always, I always get so emotional, but, um, and anyway, one of those counselors specifically, like I said, she saw me where I was at, and she took me into her um, office, and I'll never forget that conversation that we had. But what was more amazing was she kept coming back to me. She kept coming, um, and she was like, Susie, I know that you're having a hard time. You can't even get into math class. You know, you don't, you don't want to do this, but 
you come in during your lunch and you just come into my office and I'll be in meetings or whatever and you just come and do your homework for math and then you can go back into math. So I was doing math homework in the middle, of like it was like math class, like whatever, what, what is that, period. And I'd go into to math for lunch and, and I would just go into her office and do my homework for math and whatever other classes. But um, while that was happening, all the times that I wasn't at school and I was at home, I remember I literally would like, it was, it was really, really good for me because I felt the, the presence of just being alone and just being me and just being what it means to just be me. I wasn't surrounded by the thoughts of others. I was apathetic towards it. I didn't care. I didn't care about what other people were thinking of me because I didn't think much of anything or myself. And um, it helped because I was just talking to God. And I remember I like literally had this, this conversation and I was just kind of like, well, God, either you're real or I'm crazy, which some of you guys have heard me say this, but like, I was like, yeah, I was like, either you're real or I'm crazy, either you're real or I'm crazy. And if, and if I'm crazy, then, you know, then I'm, it's not going to be much longer or whatever. And, um, I remember I was sitting I would take showers basically that were so hot until like the water ran cold just to like feel something. And this one time, it just like God just met me and he just showed me the value of my life in the world. And what that did for me though was it it made me hold place for my own soul. And it made me see, it's like Susie, like in in this was like awakened in my spirit was if this is what you are walking through, knowing your life and your circumstances, could you only imagine what all of these other kids who are, you know, so much better or so much worse and don't have parents who serve the Lord are also walking through? And it, and it, and it shook me. It was humbling. And I remember just kind of being in this place where I was like, you know, God, I was like, I, I, I can take it. I was like, I'll take it on. I was like, you know, I, I knew it was going to be like a lot of work to get my grades up, but I remember literally being like, God, I was like, I, I, right now, I don't have anything to offer on paper. I was like, I literally don't. I've shown up to no, it's to the point where like, if I, sh- if I miss X more amount of days, I have to go to court. That's a thing. The Becca bill, look that up. And, and, um, like it is, it's really a thing. I know because guess what? I was an attendance office TA and I would steal the letters home to my parents. Yeah, I was a really good, bad kid. But like, that's a real, that's a real story. And so, um, I, God, God did it for me. He gave me all these opportunities for influence. He gave me all of these moments with students that weren't seen he gave me opportunities with teachers who I'm still friends with to this day. Teachers who literally I have gone over to their houses since graduation and gotten coffee with because I've held those, held those relationships with. Um, and then I started working at Tahoma years later and I'm still connected with, with those people very much. Um, but I don't think that I would have had that heart for people and notice people as they are, as each of us are individually in this room, if it weren't for God showing me who I am and God showing me, like, look, look look how much potential you just have just, just with your life. And it wasn't that I was anything special. I wasn't like some killer all-star, like, I'm just going to use an example, Lexi, like killer all-star Broadway choir person. I wasn't like, you know, I couldn't like jazz the room. I couldn't like do cheerleading backflip or whatever. I was in color guard. I quit. I was terrible. 
that's real. I did one Maple Valley Days parade. That's true. But like, you know, I, but I was like, on paper, God, I was like, all I have to give God is my heart. That's all I have to give. And God was like, that's enough. That's all you need. And so, um, yeah, and it's a constant reminder. Even, even on this last trip, I was in Philadelphia this morning. And, you know, sometimes I, I, again, I get so humbled because I just get, you just get, you forget. We forget that people are people. And we don't see them as our potential because we're so wrapped up in the own, like, messes and stuff of our own minds and hearts. And we're thinking about, oh, my gosh, like, this happened literally on this last flight coming into Seattle. Mom walks off the plane. And, like, I have an empathy for moms and, and babies and stuff. And she was like, sorry, my kid peed on the seat. I'm like, awesome. I like, dude, rocks. Like, you know, but but I'm like, could you imagine if I had just like like given her like this piece of torment, like, or whatever, if I had like pr- stuck all of the prickliness I had left out at her, like how just awful would that have been? Like instead I'm just like, you know what? Like I I, I love giving like those those kids, like I'm gonna give them extra Cheetos, I'm gonna or Cheez Its, whatever. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna see all of these people as people. Because that's, that's just all we are, you know? Anyway, so this one verse, I'm wrapping it up. In Luke 10, a uh, pretty famous story was this guy, he knew the Bible very well, and he's talking to Jesus, and this happens multiple times, and Jesus is like, all these people try to challenge Jesus, right? They're like, oh, he's the Messiah. Well, guess what? I, I know the Bible way better. And so they're like, they go up to Jesus, they're like, uh, teacher, what must I do to it inherit eternal life? And Jesus res- responds, what is written in the law? He says, how do you read it? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, you, will, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And I think that sometimes we overcomplicate all of this because... We're taught to overcomplicate all of this. We're, you know, we're taught to, I mean, things like, yeah, brush your teeth. Like, you know what I mean? Like, care about things. Like, care about the food you put inside of you and care about, you know, your grades and whatnot. But we we forget at the end of the day, it's like the only thing that we are guaranteed, and and this is going to sound morbid for like 10 seconds, is death. You're not guaranteed that you're going to make a ton of money, you're not guaranteed your 401k, you're not guaranteed your retirement, you're not guaranteed a five-story, five-bedroom house, you're not guaranteed that vacation to Disneyland, you're not guaranteed anything, you're not guaranteed the dogs that you want to adopt when you're older. We only, I'm just being real, like you're, you're only, the only thing, the only thing that we will all get at the end of the day is death. And so when we think about that, that should be kind of hopeful in the sense that now every single moment matters with every single person that we meet because that could be gone, you know? And so I'm just here to say that love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, which that you could just unwrap and love your neighbor as yourself. And just remember that every moment that you have matters, and it truly does. Like it, You might think, like, I don't hold place, Susie. All you need is your heart. All you need is whatever that you can give to someone else. It's seeing that person. It's like I promise that you have qualities in you 
that I couldn't, uh, there's people that I, I can't connect with as, be, as well as you could. There's, you know, things that I don't do, circles I'm not in, you know, that you hold place in. And it's like you, every single name, every single person that's on this earth, like Judah Preston, you hold place as Judah Preston in 2020. Whatever that looks like, God made a place and a time for that name to exist here on earth. You know, and so as I think if we all thought about that and we all thought about others like that, we would do, do what we're supposed to be doing a lot better. And that his, you know, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, you can do better than that. Can we give it up for Susie? That was... That was amazing. I want to talk for the next few minutes about this idea, Proverbs 11 and verse 24. I want to read it in the message translation that says this. The world of the generous, everyone say generous, gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others will be abundantly blessed. And those who help others will also be helped. Would you pray with me one more time? God, thank you so much that you gave to us uh, and you gave us a model. Maybe we follow in that model. It would be the kind of people who understand that your kingdom works upside down. That the more we pour out, the more you pour in. The more we give out, the more comes our way. And God, let us never limit this to material things, but our lives. May they be one's that exist to go beyond ourselves, understanding that when we do that, our eyes stop focusing on what is not working and start seeing you and what you're doing. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. You ever uh, been in a place, fast food restaurant or something like that, where you order your food and you go to get your ketchup or fry sauce and you go to push down on the lever or the button and it like it spits out some air and a couple little bubbles of ketchup most of which end up on your shirt and you go and nothing comes out you know what I'm talking about you ever had that happen and then you go up to the counter you're like hey do you have any ketchup because he's like, yeah, it's over there. And you say, well, no, I tried to get ketchup over there, but you're actually out. Do you have any behind the counter that you could just give me? And they say, yeah. And it's always this way. I don't know why it's this way, but it is. And they turn around. Why? How? I don't get it. <laughs> they turn around. They go around the corner. It usually takes them a minute or two. And they bring back one packet of ketchup. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, it's never a handful. There's never an assumption that I might actually want a lot of ketchup. Like, come on. It's the, it's the worst. And so I remember this one time recently, actually. I'm, uh, I'm at Taco Time, one of, my, one of my favorite places. I'm at Taco Time right here in Covington. And uh, I'm there for lunch just by myself. I order my two crisp beef tacos with no lettuce and no tomatoes because they put more cheese on it that way. No lettuce, no tomatoes, and an extra crispy Mexi fry. 
So I order it. They give me their number, my number. I go put it on the table, grab my napkins, put it on the table, set my phone down, and I go to get my ketchup. And I always get two little ramekins of the ketchup. And so I get them out, and I go to hit the button. There's nothing there. And I start hitting the button like... And there's nothing coming out, and I'm barely getting, I mean, there's like some ketchup residue in there. So I go up to the counter, and I'm like, hey, um, I just want to let you know that your ketchup's out over there. Could I get some? And she rolls her eyes. She's like, oh, it's not out. I was like, well, yeah, it is. (laughs) You can see my ramekin here. It's empty. There's a little bit of, uh, you know, there's a little bit of just residue in there, but that's not going to be enough. I got a whole Mexi fry coming. And I want more than this on every single bite. And so you're going to need to give me some ketchup from behind the counter. So she comes out. She's like, don't worry, I'll take care of you. She comes around the counter. And uh, I'm like, oh, gosh, I, I already, th- there's no ketchup here. She comes around. And she's like, usually when it's empty, it's not actually empty. She takes off the lid. And she pulls out what looks like someone's intestines full of ketchup. And she just starts to squeeze it. And this thing's full. As if it was put in there five minutes ago. And she just starts to squeeze the ketchup. And it's real gross. (laughs) She squeezes the whole thing to get it to come out of the pump. And it starts like just, and just the ketchup's coming out. And she squeezes it. Puts the lid back on, wipes off the ketchup, and she's like, there you go. Ketchup's full now. I'm like, I was like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know that. And she says, yeah, sometimes when they're installing the ketchup, they don't squeeze the blob enough. So it never connects, and there's all this air in there. So it never spits out any ketchup. Even though there's plenty in there. And then she said this fascinating line, which really stuck with me. So you got to get the ketchup blood flowing, if you know what I mean. And I said, I do know what it means. It kind of makes it sound gross because I'm eating the ketchup, and I don't want to imagine dipping my Mexi fries in blood. Like, if you really think about that, like if someone were to have a pool of blood, and you dip your Mexi fry in the blood and then eat it, it's like, would it dry up? Would it coagulate? Are you, is it a scab? Is it like, you know, what is it? kind of weird. I don't want to eat scabby, you know. (laughs) You're welcome. But I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was fascinating that while I was pushing the lever to get the ketchup out, And it seemed like there was nothing in there. It wasn't a matter of was there ketchup in there. It was a matter of it being disconnected. And I would actually venture to say, and here's what I want to get across tonight. Many of us are more full than we realize. Many of us are more full, more gifted than we think, We have more to offer than we may ever know. We are a lot less damaged goods than we think we are. We have a lot more in us than what we even believe about ourselves or what other people see. 
And we may feel like that ketchup container. And everyone around us has been bopping us on our head. Where is this stuff in you? And they whack us on the head. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, Taylor, you got nothing, bro. But I would actually venture to say that when you feel like nothing is flowing out of your life, there's actually a lot more in you than you realize. It's not a matter of is it in you. It's a matter of are you connected or disconnected from the thing that is going to pull it out of you. So it's not a matter of do you have gifting? Do you have life? Do you have skills? Do you have fortitude? Do you have the ability? Do you have purpose? It has never been a matter of that, friends. It's really a matter of is the blood flowing? Is there a connection there? Has your ketchup blob been squeezed to get the ketchup out? And I would imagine that a lot of us are like that ketchup container. We think we're empty, but friends, can I tell you tonight, because of who Jesus says that you are, you have everything in you that you need. God didn't create you empty. God did not create you lacking. God did not create you halfway. God did not create you needing some sort of X factor that another human being can complete. God created you with everything in you that you need. The question is not that you, do you have enough? The question is, have you been squeezed so that the things that God placed in you can come out of your life and flow onto others and begin to bless them like you've been called to do? See, friends, the question is not, do you have it in you? So what we feel, my reality, my current reality, my mindset, the place that I find myself is pain. It's the world is closing in on me. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm afraid of my future. I'm a complete and utter failure. I feel rejected. And at the end of the day, I am just empty, having nothing to offer. That might be your current reality. That might be what you feel. And you're that ketchup container. And every time someone comes up to you, they're just bopping you on the head. Sorry, that was a little hard. That, that one's still, I'll do your. Yeah. And trying to get it out. All right, canner's got nothing. So, so they go, go to the canner, the, the counter. Sorry, canner's got nothing. I tried to get, I'm so sorry. I, I don't even know. I just, I just like bopped him real real hard on, on the center of his noggin. Like, dude, I'm so, he's like, actually, dude, that hurt. You hit my head hard. At least I didn't do it with the microphone. I've, I've done that before to someone that I'm married with on accident. Um, <laughs> was anyone here when I did that through the mic? Just as she stands up, just right on the center of her head. It's wrong for many reasons. One is you don't throw microphones. They're worth a lot of money, okay? And you definitely don't throw them at Someone that you live with. Um, so I don't want to disacknowledge your feeling, okay? And this is where the highs and lows comes in. Is my current reality is not fake. And I'm not here to say it's an illusion. Raise your hand if now or if any time in your past you have felt any level of anxiety or depression or uh, dark thoughts in your mind. Or in your soul, okay? I, I'm raising my hand. I have. Okay? I'm not standing up here. Per, you can put your hands down. Okay, we've all felt those things. 
And to deny those is a lot of times what, what we've done in the church world is we've, we've tried to put a Band-Aid called faith on it. And, um, and I'm not saying that faith isn't the answer. It's the foundation. But there's a lot to that. But, but faith being the answer does not deny the reality. It just knows that there's something deeper than the reality. What scripture talks about with, with Abraham and, and, and his wife, I mean, they were old. And the promise that God had given them was one that you will be, he said to Abraham, you'll be the father of many nations and your descendants to come for ages and ages will outnumber the sand on the seashore, the stars in the sky. Look up. Can you count the stars? Of course not, God. You're, you're going to have more kids than those stars that you can see. And so Abraham gets this promise and then he never sees it come to pass. And he's like, what the heck's going on? And he's like 99 years old. 99 years old. But what scripture goes on eventually to talk about is that Abraham never denied his reality. But there was a point that he came to where he understood, I can take God at his promise, not to deny my reality, but just knowing that his promise is true. And knowing that when I feel the real feelings that I feel, okay, because some of you have dealt with real dark stuff. Some of you, you just had... Hard days, hard seasons, hard circumstances that have made you uh, slide into a pit where you just feel like everything is falling apart. And, and I don't want to disacknowledge any of those. I want to actually say what you feel is real, what you feel is hard, what you feel is valid. It is okay. And it is okay to, to know that. It is okay to be sad about it. It is okay to be bummed about it. But what I need all of us to understand is this, is that though it is not an illusion and though our pain and our loss and our depression and our, our need for therapy and our sense of hopelessness, those are all real things, there's more to the story. And here's what it says. We'll read it again. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. But the world of the stingy, those who withhold those who keep in, those who focus inward, those who try and hoard everything to try and numb the pain and try and fix what's broken in their world, their world gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses, this is where it gets good, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others will be being themselves helped. See, what we want is we want the more, we want the blessing, we want the fix, we want the help, we want the rescue, we want the God to come through stuff. That's good to want. But oftentimes, what we sow is less. We sow cursing, we sow negativity, we sow I'm depressed, it's who I am, I'm sad about it, and I'll always be that way, but it's their fault, we sow blame, we sow, we, we sow these, these negative things. And what we do is we say, I want to offset what I feel by making others feel guilty so that they can come in and make me right because I have been wronged by what has happened in my life. And so if I'm depressed, the best thing for me to do is to get some other people to try and fix my feelings for me. If I feel 
like things have gone wrong and make me feel sad and make me feel worn out and make me feel like I'm in this low place, what I need to do is I need to sow like it's your fault. I need to sow these seeds of selfishness. No, I need to keep it in. I need to keep everything that I have that is good for myself. And what we do is instead of sowing the things that will bring in what we want, we sow the things that will actually bring in a sense of smallness and an increased lack. So I'm depressed. What do we do? We confess, I'm depressed. I'm depressed. I'm depressed. I'm depressed. I'm depressed. I'm sad. I'm angry. They hurt me. Now, let me pause because I want to acknowledge two things. One is your pain that you've experienced at the hands of someone or in your past or um, the, the, the myriad of things that it could be. I cannot say that I understand it because I have not lived your life. I have not walked through what you've walked through. And it is real. But we have to watch what we confess because there's this perpetualness in this scripture that what you sow will come back in and increase and continue in your life. Because none of us would say that I want more depression, more negativity, more down, more sad, more self. None of us want those things, yet those are the things that we sow in hopes to fix those things that we feel. But what God would say what we have the opportunity to do, what I believe that Susie exemplified and learned in that season as she had that moment, imagine what other people are going through. What if you could, and we got to watch this unfold. She got to spend nine minutes talking to you about it. She could spend two hours talking about everything that God did in her life as she began to live beyond herself. And as she began to live beyond herself, she began to walk out of the small room that she used to live in, and her world got larger and larger and larger. And eventually, Post Malone's retweeting her. Side note, that was pretty cool. And all of this stuff. Why? Because she started to live not in consistency with what she felt, but in consistency with what she, the seeds that she wanted to sow and the fruit that she wanted to reap. So she may have said, I don't have the friends that I need, but I'm going to sow a friendship that's going to bring me the friends that I need. I may not have the circumstances, the things in my world that I want, but if I know if I sow them, then it will bring into my life the things that I don't yet have. This is the significance of generosity. See, here's the cure. I want to give you two things that are the cure for this, and we'll wrap it up here real quick. Number one. Number one, here's the cure. You give out. Give out. And I, I don't want to say it's a one and done, easy, uh, you know, one size fits all. You do it and everything fixes and it's better and you'll never experience pain again. No, 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 no. Not in the least. But there's something about what happens when you give out. When you give out. Because giving out, this is what you can write down, giving out always works its way Giving out always works its way in. This, this word gives freely in the Greek means to scatter or to empty oneself, to plant seeds and leave a trail of things that though there's no fruit yet, it's leaving something that will eventually yield a fruit long after you're gone. In other words, to enlarge the space 
of creativity. Like, I was talking to our, some of our student leaders recently about how I want to I be the kind of person who I carry seeds in my pocket. Seeds of encouragement, seeds of, of building up, and seeds of generosity, and seeds of, uh, of, of just prophetic moments, whatever it might be. Seeds of, it could be literal money, it could be things that I have in my possession that I have in abundance. I want to carry those in the, 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 the spiritual pocket that I have, knowing that God is giving me on a daily basis opportunities to give out and knowing and understanding that this isn't the reason I do it, but knowing that as I give out, God is really into giving me more so that I can continue to give out. Yeah. What we do, though, is we hold in. I've got money. It's mine. I want to keep it because I don't want to lose it. But the kingdom of God works upside down. The more we give, the more he gives us. You don't give so that you can get. You give knowing that you are a blessing, following the example that Jesus gave, knowing that everything that you have in your life, your words, your thoughts, your money, your possessions, your relationships, everything is a seed. And a seed contains a lot more than what you hold in your hand. I hope you're getting this. Because in here, there is every level of strength and weakness, dark spots and bright spots and money and lack of it and good home situations and great parents and ones who really are make it really hard to go home. There's every end of the spectrum, but every single one of you in your life, you have seeds. And as you plant your seeds, you can know that you will not plant in vain because what you give out will work its way into your life. You sow generosity, you're going to reap generosity. Why? Because the world of the generous gets larger and larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So what do we do? I need approval, so I'm going to sow. This is, this is tough because I, 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 what we do is we, we want approval and we want friends and we, I'm lonely and, so I, and I'm depressed. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to things that, that fuel my depression. I'm going to date someone who's also lonely so that they can cure my loneliness. You know why? Because two ma- negatives make a positive. No, not when it comes to relationships. That never works. <laughs> it always frustrates me when, when you get people who... God is trying to work on their life, and they think that the cure is a relationship with another person who is dealing with the same struggle. I'm not trying to speak negatively on anyone. I'm trying to say that what you sow will work its way back into your life. So instead of finding a relationship that brings you more negativity, go find some people who are impossibly happy. Not for you to date, but for you to learn from. Like, get around Malia and Leilani, you know? It's like, it's ridiculous, right? Like, get around them. Why? Because it's impossible to not get frustrated with how happy they are. It's amazing. I cannot leave the presence of those people not being better. But, but I think what they understand is I'm going to sow what I want more of in my life. And you know the kind of people that they attract? It's not the sad ones. It's the happy ones. Or it's the ones who used to be sad but could not help but get frustrated with how happy they were so they get more happy. 
The more I spend around time or spend time around people who are full of God, what does it do? It fills me with more of God. It fills me with a desire to have more of God. Whenever I spend my time around people who hate their lives and who are miserable and who everything, every time you ask them how they're doing, they say, tired, I'm really having a rough time. I'm like, okay, that's great. Um, Stay away from me. I don't want your sickness. And it's so funny because I don't want to be around those kind of people. But what we do is we say, I want more happy people around me. So I really, it's like if you were to be sick, right? <laughs> if you're a sick person, you're saying, I want to I be around people. It makes me feel better. And so you, you go around people. You're like, oh, hello. I'm, I'm, <coughs> I'm sorry. I'm really sick. Um, but do you want to hang out tonight? <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Um, no. <laughs> Because I'm not, I'm not trying to have that in my life. But this is what we do, is we sow sneezes of discouragement. Everywhere we go, we're sneezing on people. And then we're saying, no one wants to be around me. And it's all their fault. No, you sneezed on them. And I, I, here's, here's the principle that we need to understand. Is that in your pockets right now, God has given you seeds. And, uh, but I think sometimes, maybe if I could divert a second, I think the enemy gives us seeds too. And what we do is we think that those seeds will yield what only the seeds that God has given us will yield. So we, just, we sow discouragement. We sow our need for approval by getting on Snapchat and, and, and trying to keep our streak alive because we think that somehow that that will fulfill the need that we have for genuine and authentic, deep relationship that will challenge and improve our lives. And so we we give ourselves to all of these vices that will never, ever satisfy. And the only thing that will is authentic community and ultimately finding yourself connected to the source like that ketchup eventually got once it was connected to the pump every time I pumped it more and more ketchup came out why because it wasn't that what there was nothing in there it's that it was connected not to anything once you connect it to the source the things that are in it can begin to come and flow out of it I hope you're getting what I'm saying. There's a lot in every single one of you, whether you like it or not, whether you feel it or not, whether your parents have told you or not, whether somebody else has told you or not, whether you've been discouraged or put down about it or not, there is a lot in you. The question is, are you connected to the right things? Are you sowing the right seeds? Because when you sow the things that you want to see in your life, it will begin to work its way into your life. It's funny, the more we try and fill ourselves, the more empty. But the opposite is true, too. The more we empty ourselves, the fuller we feel. I need approval, so I'm going to encourage someone. I need friends, so I'll be a friend. I'm lonely, so I'll serve and I'll give my life. I'm depressed, so I'm going to listen to something that goes to war with my depression. Not something that reminds me that I'm depressed, but at least they understand me, you know. Whatever. What are you sewing? And... um, I won't call anyone out, but if you would find yourself in the spectrum where you struggle with anxiety or um, any kind of mental struggles or depression or anything in that realm, I want to let you know that I simultaneously, I want to validate what you feel. 
want to acknowledge that because that's real and we don't talk about it enough. Um, and it's hard. And to give a, a message to say, here's your cure, would be foolish to think that that's, it's just a one and done thing and that you won't ever struggle again. It's not real. It's not life. We got to acknowledge the real pain and the real struggles and the real stuff. It's real. But in God, there's always a deeper reality that doesn't negate, it just transcends your reality. That I know that when I'm struggling, the more I praise, the more it takes my eyes off of what I'm struggling with. And the more that I sow out, the more that tends to come back into my life. And I wanna challenge us, what are we sowing? Because that might actually have some sort of link
here's what we need to do. We need to get some button pushers, or get rid of the button pushers and get some core squeezers. And here's what I mean. Button pushers, I can send this out if you want it. Forget the podcast. Button pushers never challenge you. They'll just go to the counter to get the ketchup. But core squeezers make you better. Button pushers only ever want from you. Core squeezers are adding to you. Button pushers focus on the negative. Core squeezers find the gold that is buried beneath your dirt. Button pushers think of themselves first. Core squeezers are always looking out for you. Button pushers leave you if you don't give them what they want. Core squeezers fill you up when you feel empty. Button pushers hold you to a low standard and just say, stay where you're at because it's fine because it can help me to stay at my status quo. But core squeezers remind you there is more in you than you think. I need some people who will say, Taylor, you thought you were done, but let me beat you up a little bit because there's more in you than you know. Friends, there's more in you than you think. There's more life. There's more opportunity. There's more impact. There's more skill. Some of you have held yourselves to a standard that says, I am a C student. And you've defined yourself that way. You are an A student. You have a lot more in you than you think. Your capacity is much greater than you would ever imagine. But you need some people who are going to beat that into you when you want to settle for being done.